When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. Stumps. Yes, welcome to Stumps. Great to have you here on a Saturday evening, Christmas Eve in actual fact and fantastic to be talking all things cricket. We count down to the Boxing Day test, the Big Bash in full swing. We've had a few very good days of this competition. Plenty of special guests on the show tonight. Shane Warne, of course, about as good as it gets. Mark Howard to talk all things Big Bash as well. We'll head inside the Hobart Hurricanes camp with Simon Helmet, their assistant coach, on the back of their big win over the Sydney Sixers. Mitchell Swepson, young spinner for the Brisbane Heat, will also have a bit of a chat to us as well. But a lot to get through, and Merv Hughes is with us as always. 53 tests, 212 wickets for Australia. And Merv, Merry Christmas. Oh, uh, nice oh, to have you oh, here. Oh, oh, oh. Kind of fit oh. the Description a little bit. A little bit. A little bit of a scraggly white beard and a, and a big fat tummy. Um, yeah, plenty to talk about. Uh, big bashes off and running. Fantastic test match in Brisbane. And, and hopefully that'll wet the whistle for, for Boxing Day and, and four days following that. Uh, leading into the Sydney test, of course. Uh, no club cricket this weekend. Uh, everything's been sort of called to a halt because of, of Christmas. But uh, still plenty to talk about, Dash. Absolutely there is. Before we get on to the, the matches, though, when Christmas time rolls around, I'd imagine when most people go to your house for a barbecue, given your background, they'd want you to go out and play a bit of backyard cricket. Are you an advocate for that? Or are you like, no, I've, uh, I've bowled 55,000 deliveries or whatever it is no, in my life. I've had no. enough. Uh, <laughs> well, you want a bat mainly. Dash, you're, you're right. Um, <laughs> I make sure that the backyard is absolutely crowded, so there's no room. <laughs> We've got a park across the road. I feel it's too far to walk, um, so I'm... Yeah, no, I, I just put the feet up and enjoy Christmas. I thought, I thought you might want to bat now. It's like I'm not bowling anymore, but I'll smack you around a bit. Uh, no, 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 I can't bat dash. So, uh, <laughs> listen, when the, when the boys were younger, but they're mm. sort of, um, well, they're 15 and 19 now. They can look after themselves, and if they want to have a hit, they can have a hit. But if they were annoying you when they were younger, would you start to bowl a bit quicker? Or? Um, yeah, no, I did all right. Did all right. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so they're not afraid of me now. They mm. they want me to go down and nets and bowl to them. So uh, when they want that to happen, it, it doesn't happen. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. Listen, um, Christmas Day, mm. I reckon New Year's Day and Australia Day, um, three of the greatest backyard cricket days of all time. Oh yeah, tremendous. And curious to know on the uh, the Kanga Cricket uh, Open Line, which will run via our social media platforms at Stumps Cricket as well, who you were in backyard cricket. You might have been Merv, you might have been, uh, if you're a little bit older, you might have been Ian Chappell or something like that, or maybe you're uh, the younger generation and you've been Mike Hussey or Michael Clark in backyard cricket. People, I think, are generally batsmen in, in backyard cricket, but or fast bowlers. You probably wouldn't get too many spinners in the backyard. 
Because uh, usually you tape the ball up with the uh, the little bit of electrical tape and try to make it swing the tennis ball. I, I reckon that would have changed a bit since mm. Warty. Yeah, probably. Um, and listen, there's a lot of young league spinners around now that I I reckon would have grown up on Warney and would have been bowling league spin in the in the backyard. But um, even with the taped up cricket ball, the the league spinner has still got a role to play. Unlike a past Victorian coach that in 1991 told Shane Warne there was no room for league spin bowlers in Australia, in first-class cricket in Australia. So uh, he didn't last long. Um, Probably lasts a lot longer than he should have. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's turned out to be a a little wide of the mark, I think, uh, retrospectively. Oh, mate, way off the mark, wasn't it? So, um, yeah, listen, plenty to talk. Backyard cricket, if you've got any backyard cricketers... Mm. Yeah, I was yeah, ringing in, but we're not ringing in tonight, are we? No, the, the, it's Christmas. Yeah, that's right. The, the rules are, are, are interesting around backyard oh. cricket. How many slips have you got? If it hits really low on the fence, is it carried? Uh, so you've got automatic wicketkeeper, but automatic... People think there's eight slips half the yes. time. You'll hit it uh, three-quarters of the way down the fence, and oh. I'll be like, well, that's out. Mate, hit, hit anywhere. Nick it anywhere behind. Hits anything on the full. So a fence, a wall, that's out. <coughs> Over the fence, six and out. Hits um, a car, that's out. Yeah, hit, hits anything on the full. So a tree, um, if you've got a, a dog that's good enough, mm. um, one of the mates down at Lavender. Freakish catching. Terry, yeah. Terry Squires used to have a dog, and he was the most outrageous catcher of all time. We had a border collie that could catch somersaulting backwards, so yeah. do backflip catches. So. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, mate, phenomenal. This, this dog took some of the greatest catches in low light too. When mm. we were struggling to see the ball, he just picked it up, no worries. So, uh, yeah, listen, backyard cricket for a long time, a lot of fun. As you say, taped up tennis ball. I like the ones in the backyard with the pool, with mm. the taped up oh, tennis yeah. ball, yeah. and you just fling it off the, off the floor. That yeah. was dangerous. That was, that was dangerous. <laughs> we, used to, we used to have a pool in the backyard. You'd hit a, you got a, a six, I think, for hitting it in the pool, but it was good for the bowler because you yeah. could just skid one through you the next time. But, yeah, our, uh, our dog used to decide. He'd take the ball. You'd play for half an hour to be hot, and then uh, if he'd had enough, he'd literally take the ball and go inside with it, and the game would be over. So well, he, he'd, he'd end the game for you. But um, stress. That's, that's, that's good right. umpiring. It is good umpiring. Yes, you'd say, no, diligence. you're done, you're done, guys. But we had... Um, we had a, the back veranda along the side, and it had three beams on it, but the beams were at point, cover, and mid-off, so it was actually perfectly placed to have the beams as fieldsmen. So if you hit catches that hit the beams on the full, you were out. So, yeah. so it's like you had a ring field on that side. The cars were on the left, so they were your fieldsmen there. So. Uh, well, mm. some of them played one hand, one bounce. And, mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's ridiculous. You've got to catch the ball. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You've got to uh, do you ever play French cricket where they, everyone gets in close and just flicks it around. So. Um, yeah, yes, mm. I did. Sorry, I'm just uh, picking looking up for a the, Pen. Yeah, the pen. I dropped yeah. my pen. Um, French cricket was always good, wasn't it? Because mm. uh, you couldn't really get that much power. Um, and the other thing was, if you missed it and hit your legs, you're out. Yeah, exactly. So, so French cricket was quite easy to play. It was quite easy to play. In a moment, we'll have a chat about the uh, obviously the Boxing Day test and a, a little bit of a, a conversation around that one. But we'll get to a break. And on the other side of this, uh, we'll talk a little bit of Big Bash cricket. Listening to Stumps. I've tried to forget it actually. Right. <laughs> I just can't remember. <laughs> they have one for you, Rick. Mark Warriors and Ozzy, he wears a baggy hat. When he saw the bookies cash, he said, I'm having that. He got a good one. They went and had some beers. And when the ACB found out, they <laughs> covered up for years. <laughs> <laughs> you know, word for word. <laughs> <laughs> that is the most. 
Welcome back to Stumps. That was a cracking moment during last night's coverage of the Hobart Hurricanes and the Sydney Sixers. Well done to uh, all of the boys. Mark Howard joins us, the captain of the uh, the Big Bash commentary team for Channel 10. And uh, Mark, nice to, uh, to have you with us. Hey, Daz. Hey, Merv. That's, uh, that, that's the best thing I've seen on the Big Bash in five years. I'm still, I'm still laughing at that. Hey, I've got to tell you, it's not really up there with Freddie Flintoff's um, Elvis in the ghettos, yeah. but it wasn't bad. No, and you know what, Merv, when Rick came and started at Channel 10, we were all so scared of him and everyone was nervous around him and he was still sort of the captain. And now last night I'm asking him about, you know, sledging on field and how you deal with it. And then he pulls that out. And we had a couple of beers afterwards last night in the hotel in Coogee. And people are just coming up, and it wasn't Ricky Ponting, the batsman. was like, Ricky, your singing is unbelievable. <laughs> he was a bit sheepish about it. He was a bit sheepish, but it was just so brilliant to see him so relaxed. And Merv, as you would know, it was great for the Australian public to see what that little bike's all about. He's a beauty. Oh, mate, it's, it's great with, with Ricky Ponting, um, with Gilly, um, with, with Mark Waugh. We're, we're getting to see into their personality. So we all know that they're, they're great cricketers and they've got great cricket minds. But to see the little quirky things that they, they get on with behind the scenes, I reckon it's absolutely fantastic because I've, I've spoken to a lot of people and they often ask, what's Ricky Ponting like? Now they're coming up to me and saying, mate, I've been watching the Big Bash. I didn't expect that from Ricky Ponting. I didn't expect that from Gilly. I didn't expect that from, yeah. from you know, the guys there. But they're, they're just doing a fantastic sh- job doing it and they're showing their personalities. Yeah, spot on Merv and I remember sitting with the boss Dave Barham years ago and I said, well, what are we going to do here? He said, well, you've got to call the cricket um, but you've got to show Australia who these guys really are um, and to hear you say that, mate, it just makes me smile because uh, they're, they're all wonderful blokes and they're different to what they were in the cricket field and I think you know, Australia is really getting to know who those blokes really are and falling from them even more. So I'm really happy you say that. Yeah, it's terrific, and I echo those sentiments. I think also, if someone was to you know summarise what makes the Big Bash coverage great, is it fair to suggest that if you go back to the first game of this season when Brisbane played Adelaide and you had the one over where you were talking to Brendan McCullum, who was captain of the Heat, trying to limit the runs, and then you had Brad Hodge, who was captain of the Strikers, trying to talk about how they were going to manipulate the bowlers both out there on the same time and to get those insights as they were facing balls and setting fields was uh, was quite phenomenal. Yeah, you're spot on, Daz, and the credit must go to the players there. And for those two, I find it amazing what they say. And, mm. and Hodgie was talking about the three different deliveries that he could face and what he was going to do because we were asking if he tries to come up with a shot before the ball's ball. But in the heat of the moment, for those guys that have played so much cricket, to have that peace of mind, to be able to talk to us on national television and explain clearly what's going on, it's a full credit to those two, but any of the players that agree to be mic'd up, it's the players that make the coverage. So they need to be congratulated. But yeah, that blew me away. That that, that was a that was an absolute highlight for me. Well, we're talking about the big batch coverage and not actually the big bash. Um, mm. we're, we've got to mention the weak link in the team. Um, mm. Damien Fleming just <laughs> well I, I think the problem is uh, Merv, I'll be completely frank with you I, I think I think Junior is funny without realising it I think Ricky's cheeky funny yeah. um, Gilly's got a good sense of humour Flem tries to be funny and that's where the whole thing falls out <laughs> uh, Flem Flem does he does amazing work too because with the, the keeper and, and the batsman you got there it's, it's good having that bowling point of view and um, he gets excited watching you know, blokes like Sean Tate run in and bowl fast and, and get the job done. So to have a little bit of an even balance in that commentary box, I think, is very important. Now, get on to the games. You had the Sixers Hurricanes yep. game last night. Um, yeah, it did. Yeah, it was a little bit of an upset, wasn't it? 
Well, it was because in the in the warm up, I was walking. I got to the game with uh, Rick, and he's you know Hurricanes royalty. So we were chatting with Damien Wright and Simon Helmet, the coaches down there, and George Bailey and Tim Payne. And all they said was keep an eye out for this bloke Short, who's going to mm. open the batting because he can bowl, but he can really really bat. And you know he was a bit he was a bit tubby to be honest when he was playing in Western Australia. And they told him he had to shape up. They said keep an eye out for him. We thought, oh yeah, fair enough. And then he just went bang 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 and. Brought up his 50 off about 19 balls, and in a lot of ways, that was the game. That's the great thing about the Big Bash, isn't it? There's blokes you've never heard of. They come out there and do that, and all of a sudden, everyone in Australia knows who they are. So I guess his runs and the fact that Clive Rose managed to get Moses Enriquez out first ball, they were probably the two turning points of the game. Huge turning point. Now, watch his batting. How did his fielding go last night? Who was that? Shorty. Yeah. Just don't he drop the one. Took a good yeah. court and bowl. Took yeah. a good court yeah. and bowl, but yeah. gee, it's under pressure to take that. The the reverse sweep that got to him. I reckon just a little bit quicker. So, how you're always on the positives. I love that about you. I always look for the negatives. <laughs> um, I saw Short drop that catch and I thought, geez, I could have done that. <laughs> yeah, and he did a, He did. He did an interview at the end too, and he, he was a pretty quiet guy. And he had the earrings in, but I, I think he was a little bit overwhelmed by what was going on. It wasn't the worst drop catch though. I don't know if you saw Alex Ross yeah. uh, from the Brisbane Heat, formerly the Strikers. He dropped one at mid-off that, as you know, my five-year-old, the Big Penguin, nerve operates by. <laughs> the Big Penguin could have caught that standing on his skateboard with one eye closed, but uh, <laughs> got away from Alex Ross. It's yeah. been, it's, I was just going to say, on that point, uh, it's, it's been a, a, a large number, and another boys even spoke yeah. about it, a large number of drop catches across the, the, the first few games, that abnormally large, and some pretty straightforward ones as well. Yeah, it's unusual, isn't it? Because it's normally such a highlight of the game. I don't know if the boys are a bit rusty going into Christmas, or I don't know, but you're right, uh, Daz, there's been some absolute uh, sitters spilled. And then, you know, the whole thing kicked off with that catch by Jason Roy on the first night, Sixes Thunder, I think it was. It sort of moulds all into one for me at the moment. But he took that catch off Rora at backward point with one hand, which is as good a catch as you'll see. And then we saw Kyron Pollard on the boundary take a catch. Yeah. It was smoking, and he just plucked it out of midair, as he does. Now, busy time for you. Games, games, and more games. When the Big Bash starts... The the schedule itself is like the game itself. It just goes at 100 miles an hour. Do you quite often get up in the morning and wonder where the hell you are? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Especially if you've had a couple of beers with Ricky Ponting the night before. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> he's, no, sneaky, you do move. he's sneaky good on the beer too, Ricky, isn't he? Yeah, no, he, he's uh, he's no Gilly. Gilly's uh, an unbelievable operator in that department. <laughs> you do, and then I guess, Merv, you know, you and I had the pleasure of working up at Brisbane at, at uh, the test up there for Triple M. So throwing a couple of days at Boxing Day as well, it gets a, a little bit confusing, but I'm just like Alice the Clarks and the Hawks. I just take it one day at a time. Merv. Oh, you're good. <laughs> now, last year you proved that you were the man of the big statements, the huge yeah. statements that quite yeah, often no. fall flat. Um, yeah. What are we going to look for this year? Of course, last year you said that Jake Lehman had the best moustache in cricket in Australian cricket, which I thought was just ridiculous. <laughs> but what are you going to come up with this year, Howie? Well, so much so that you called me on this radio show <laughs> and berated me for six minutes and then hung up on me, and I think I deserve that. But, um, <laughs> I, I, okay, here's a big statement. I think the Adelaide Strikers, who are 0-2, and two, will win the big bash. Really? Yeah. That's a um, huge statement. I, yeah, it is, and I, you know, it's so hard to predict. You basically need to win three, three and a half games to make finals. You do that, and anything can happen. I just think they've got a lot of batting. I think we'll see more from Richardson. Uh, they're going to miss Johnny Holland, obviously, uh, at the uh, at the spin bowling department. The Renegades are going to be tough to beat, aren't they, Merv? They look really yeah, good. Right. That's Sonny Ryan. I saw him over in the West Indies. He's got this little mystery ball that I don't know if he bowled the other night. There's a little outswinger. 
So they'll be tough to beat, but I think, yeah, that, there's a statement for you. The strikers will get the job done. Um, yeah. But, you know, big bashes on then. It's Boxing Day test. It's just cricket heaven at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, now, as you said in that, in well, one of the answers there, the Triple M commentary uh, up in Brisbane, um, you're doing the Melbourne one or you're doing the Big Bash? No, I can do I can do day two and day four in uh, in Melbourne. They've kindly let me do that Triple M, um, and then we work the rest in around the Big Bash. Um, so I'll get to see you there, big man, which I'm oh, looking mate. forward to. I presume you'll be there heading up the commentary operation. And uh, now, Daz, I, was... I tell you what, yeah, I tell you what, Daz. <laughs> The big boy was complaining about the prices of food at Brisbane, <laughs> which I thought was fair enough at the test match at yeah. the until I saw that he sort of ordered 15 chickens, nine hot dogs, six pies. Oh, howie, complaining howie, about the howie. bill, but when you order that much meal, I thought, oh, that's for the whole commentary team, and he just sits in the corner. Oh, and howie. <laughs> howie. Inhales it. Yeah. Pay, payback, it's the best, isn't it? I, I can't come back from there. <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry to bring up that big statement call, but I was was just about to say one of my one of my life's highlights was working with you at Triple M. But I'm not going to say it now. Well, I was also going to say one of my life highlights was working with Kerry O'Keefe. But you're in there as well, big daddy. Well, uh, before before we let you go, Mark, obviously uh, doing some terrific work. You're extraordinarily busy. But uh, the Howie Games, the podcast available through Omni and, and iTunes as well. Tell us a little bit about that. I know you're updating this all the time. You had a fascinating chat with Brad. Hodge opening up about obviously a topic that certainly a lot of our listeners in Victoria would uh, be passionate about and that was a lack of test cricket that he played when the consensus was it could have been a lot more. Yeah, cheers, Daz. It comes out every Thursday and it basically features different sports people. So the very first episode was Adam Gilchrist and it's sort of an hour, an hour and a half chat that we've had on Danny Green and uh, Greg Norman, Darren Sammy, all sorts of wonderful, wonderful people. Lane Beachley, Trevor Hendy, uh, Damian Martin at recent times. But for the next five weeks we're going to focus on cricket. So Along the next five weeks, you'll hear from Ricky Ponting, Brendan McCullum, Kevin Peterson, I hope. That one's not in the can yet. But the current one you're talking about is Brad Hodge, which we actually recorded back in Florida in the Caribbean Premier League in July. And, and Brad was really open, you know. You know his, you know his stats, and I know Merv's been in the selection table, but he's played uh, six test matches, averages 56 and made a 200. And he's really open, and he, you know, he said it still hurts him today about what happens. He understands why it happens. He understands they went for Damien Martin. But, yeah, he's pretty open and honest about a lot of things. And the, the other thing he talks about... Uh, two things. One, that he dyed his hair. He came out with that, which really uh, shocked me. But even more than that was he talked about the other side of T20 cricket, Merv, um, that you'd sort of be aware of as well, where you don't always get paid for your services overseas. And he tells a story about the IPL and the fact that he's owed about 170000 US dollars and that what that meant to his life and his family at the time. So... Yeah, interesting. He's a really open chat, Hodgie, so keep an eye for that in the Howie games. There's yeah. plenty of cricket coming up over the next five weeks. Yeah, you've got a bit of a glimpse of that through the Big Bash, no doubt. Uh, Mark, thank you very much for your time. We'll enjoy the rest of the coverage. been a cracking start to the season, and we'll uh, hope for it to continue. Cheers, Daz. Cheers, Merv. I love your show, and I look forward to both seeing you soon. Have a good Christmas, and hey, big boy, you just go easy on the turkey. <laughs> go easy on the turkey. Cheers, Harry. Thanks for your time. Have a great Christmas. Say good night to the big penguin, and apologise that we uh, stomped on his Lego-making time. No worries. We'll do some Lego now. Cheers, guys. Have Cheers, a guys. Thank a break you. and more to come. Knocks him over with pace. Real pace. You're listening to Stumps. Welcome back to Stumps. Darren Parkin here with Merv Hughes. We speak about his 212 test wickets. We now have on the program... Into insignificance. Yeah, we now have on the program a total of 920 test wickets, <laughs> if you add our, uh, our next guest. And, of course, needs no introduction. Shane Warne, uh, 15 years at the, uh, at the helm, is uh, one of the greatest of all time. And nice to be speaking to you on the program. 
G'day, boys. How are we? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Shane. Now, I know you got your family over for dinner, and I do apologise for ringing you this time, but <laughs> how's the build-up to Christmas been, Shane? Yeah, it's been okay, actually. It's been uh, pretty good. It's been busy with uh, commentating for all the, the test matches going around. So, laughminute.com shopping this morning. I was up at 5.30 a.m. to get to Chadsford by 6. <laughs> and um, to get there and get the last bits of shopping. And um, it was all done pretty well. I'm not sure. I think I've got everyone in the wrong bags and wrapped it all the wrong way. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll just see what happens. There wasn't many people there. Now, plenty, plenty of cricket on, and enjoying the commentary on, on Channel Nine and what you do there. Do you do you watch much of the Big Bash? Um, I do watch a little bit of the Big Bash. Um, I reckon it's probably the best 2020 competition as far as skill-wise goes in the world. Um, I think the IPL. It's pretty hard to. Um, equal the passion of the Indians and their support they have. But I think that the the quality of cricket and the skill that's on display in the uh, Big Bash is probably the best in the world. Mate, it's interesting too with the, the two internationals that each side can have. Uh, your good mate Peterson still playing for the Stars. They they haven't opened their account because they haven't played yet. Um, have, you, have you got much to do with the Stars these days or do you steer clear? No, I haven't got a lot to do with the Stars. Only if required. If they call me up and want me to come in and do something, then I'll do that. Um, and otherwise, I'm just a supporter of them. So, yeah, I help out where I can and if needed. But otherwise, no, just a, an average fan, mate, and just watch from afar. We're seeing the internationals, speaking of KP, they're getting great value out of those guys. I mean, Ian Bell played his first game in the competition uh, yesterday and and made 61. Bravo's obviously been good with the uh, the Renegades. We, we talk about KP, but when these guys come here, they're coming here at essentially the peak of their powers. Even even Sangakara, at his age, is is still a, a major draw card. Yeah, it is. And I think, you know, to have that quality competition, you need the, the superstars from around the world. It's great to develop our own and uh, have the young players and young talent. But uh, you've got to be able to get those international stars, pulling power, international crowds, come if uh, you've got those international stars. So it's really important to have them. And I think, you know, over the years we've had a lot of those big stars and it's been able to give a lot of credibility to a domestic competition. And, you know, it is only a domestic competition, but when you're getting the international stars, as I say, it suddenly becomes a bit more global, a bit more on the international stage and makes people sit up and watch a bit more because there's an international players playing. So, look, I think they've done a great job with it all. I reckon it's working really well. Well, a young man's game and the youth is coming through, but the the big recruit that the Renegades got this year is is Bradley Hogg. Um, yeah. Mate, you're not that far. You're not that much older than him. Do you still sort of sit there and watch it and think oh, I can do this? <laughs> no. <laughs> 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 My last year, Big Bash, when I jumped a couple of sodas, like I mean, absolutely sodas at cover and couldn't hang on to anything. <laughs> the bowling was absolutely fine and didn't want to bat. I batted myself at number eleven and didn't want to face the ball. I said. What the hell am I doing? It's time to stop here. The bowling was fine, but everything else, fielding, batting, I could see and go, oh, that's short and wide. Yeah, cut that. But I was just in the keeper's gloves at the time I was starting to, to cut the ball. So I tried to cut it. So I think it was worth I had to stop then. And uh, as I said, just watch and enjoy now. So no, no thought of going to Cricket Australia and, and putting forward that uh, model they had for the one-day competition a few years ago where you could play 12 so you can go on, bowl your four overs, and then go and put your feet up and do nothing? No, no thought of yeah. that? Well, if they came in with that, I think it was the Mercantile Mutual Cup, I think when you were starring for the competition. <laughs> I, I, I think um, if they brought that back in, I could wheel out and bowl my four overs, 
And then after that, it'll be absolutely perfect because I can sit up there and uh, just chill in the stands. That would be. <laughs> did you did you think when twenty twenty started? I mean, like a lot of people, they thought when one day cricket started that uh, that spinners would uh, would fall away in that form out of the game. They thought the same thing in in twenty twenty, but they've been vitally important. And now a lot of people are saying that, that the sides with the best spinners are invariably going to win the competition. And, and you look at say the Melbourne Renegades and what they've been able to do with their options, but but spin bowling seems to be the uh, almost the, the the prime weapon. Um. Look, I, I always thought spin bowling would be successful. I didn't think it would be as successful. I didn't think they would be. Um, and the other thing is, I think the best 2020 teams, or the teams that will win, will be the best led, the best captains from the 2020 teams, will be those ones. Because I think the captaincy is so important in uh, 2020 cricket that, you know, they can, you just about can win man of the match from your captaincy. And we saw that the other night. They give a calmness to people. They're ahead of the game. Um, they're two or three overs ahead. They know exactly what they're doing, strategies, plans. And because it's so frantic, if you have a calm captain, I think it makes a huge difference. And that's why I think Brendan McCullum and uh, Heat, I think, are going to be a, a side to beat this year. Well, Heat, yeah. Finchy, Finchy with the um, Renegade shows a little bit of calmness, but you don't know what's going to happen when, when he leaves. I suppose you've got Cameron White there that'll take over from there, and he's a, he's a pretty calm sort of a character too. Now, moving off the Big Bash, Shane, getting into the Test cricket, um, did you expect that from the Pakistanis in the, in the second innings in Brisbane? I think after the first innings, you thought they were going to fight back a fair bit, you know, because they were pretty ordinary in the first innings, but I didn't think they'd get anywhere near that. I thought they'd want to make 300 and played a lot better. But um, to see them go and get four nine, nearly 490 was pretty amazing. Mate, it's interesting you're doing a lot of work with, or you do a bit of work, again, when asked with our, our young leg spinners. Up at Brisbane, I saw you having a bit of a chat to Yasir Shah. Um, what do you say to those blokes? Do you try and put them off track so the Australians can have a comfortable win, or do you give them <laughs> useful information? No, no, no. no. I, I, I don't mind what country they're from. Um, as a, a leg spinning coach and loving cricket and love spin bowling, I think it's really important to, to spread that knowledge. So I try and help whoever it is, whether it be Dennis Canary from Pakistan, Yassi Shah, um, Steve Smith at times when he was bowling leg spin, uh, whoever it might be, even Nathan Lyon is talking general uh, tactics. So, yeah, I help anyone. Yassi Shah, I'm in just about daily contact with at the moment, but... Um, I was disappointed the way he bowled. I thought he just went too defensive, and I didn't like their tactics they had either. So let's hope you'll see. I think you'll see a different Yass here in Melbourne. Well, would it be right in saying that he may have pushed them through a little bit too quick? And as you say, defensive bowl, that's normally the fields that they set, but it's also the, the mind approach that possibly he doesn't want to get hit? Um, no, I, yeah, a little bit. But I also thought it was just defensive. Six people on the leg side and bowling at leg stump or outside leg stump for left-handers negated Yassie Shah's natural strength, which is aggression. And um, so, yeah, I was a little bit surprised with that one. Um, but I think, you know, I think he learned his lesson then. I'm sorry we'll see a better Yassi Shah in uh, Melbourne. Well, he bowled a lot of overs in that first innings, and for him not to take a wicket uh, would have been a real blow from Pakistan. Yeah. Now, we've got a couple of uh, young leg spinners. Well, we've got a lot of young leg spinners. Um, they'd always, I suppose they seem to be the same age where they're growing up watching a certain blonde-headed champion on TV. How much do you have to do with our young blokes and probably from your, from what you've seen, who, who are the pick of the bunch? Yeah, look, we're, we're pretty lucky. We've got a, some decent spinners around. I think, I think Agar's pretty good. I think John Holland's really good. 
Um, you know, young Zampa's good. So there's a few leggies, there's a few left armors, there's a few offies going around. Nathan Lyon, I still think, number one. Um, I like his Swepson as well. I think he could be really good. There's a lot going around, but I want to see them start taking wickets at first-class level over a period of time. And once they've done that, then we can start to see them hopefully develop and play all the different forms. It's pretty hard for young leg spinners to come in and just play 20-20 and then adjust the first-class cricket. It's quite tough for the young spinners these days, but um, we're okay. We just need a few of them to put their hands. Now, you played in the 05 Ashes, where, where England obviously were superbly spearheaded by Andrew Flintoff as an all-rounder, and it's seemingly been pinpointed since then that, it, that Australia has uh, obviously tried to develop an all-rounder. Hilton Cartwright's the latest brought into the squad. Does Australia need to pick a, a fifth bowling option all-rounder at six, or are you from perhaps the Darren Berry school of thought, six batsmen, four bowlers, one keeper? I want my 11 best players. Yep. Um, and if the tops, I think it's handy. I want four bowlers and my keeper and then six batsmen. And I think why we were always lucky when Merv and I played that we had Steve Walker that could bowl a bit Marta. of uh, yeah. steamers, whether it be Damian Martin, they could bowl off So Bevan at times too. So I think it's really important that one of those number six batsmen uh, can bowl a bit of part-time stuff because really you don't need that fifth bowler. Four bowlers should be bowling average 20 overs a day each. That's 80. And that only leaves you 10 overs to make up, maximum. It could only be, it might be eight overs you have to make up a day. So if you've got a couple of guys can bowl three or four each at the right time and hopefully just be a partnership breaker, then it can all work. You don't, this obsession with the bowlers is, I'm not a not a fan of that. Now, the, I guess the, the last one from me before, uh, just to check if Merv has a couple for you. We do our VB okay. hard-earned yeah. moments uh, every week. Victoria Bitter celebrates the greatest moments in cricket history with 10 limited edition cans this summer, and they reflect on Australia's great winning streaks, obviously twice where they won the 16 consecutive test matches, uh, obviously during your tenure at the, the helm as well. Can you give us, I guess, an insight from a player reflecting back on those times as to just how confident the group was? Was, but they talk about it with football teams, cricket teams, etc. Well, you just you feel it from any position within a game. I would imagine you could dig yourself out of trouble. You, you could find ways to win from the most impossible of positions. Uh, look, I, I, most of us weren't aware, and I think Steve Waugh was a bit too obsessed with it all, and that was one of the reasons he made a bit of a blunder, um, not enforcing on in India, and that's why it upset our run. But I think the players we were just playing, we we're in a zone, and we were just all doing really, really well, and we just kept winning from nowhere against all the different countries. So, yeah, it was a pretty amazing uh, run, and we had a very, very good team. So, yeah, we well, could beat anyone, and to have that ability to um, beat everyone home and away was a pretty amazing record from the guys. Mate, I've got to tell you, VB, we're having a VB flashback here. I think the best v- thing VB have ever done was the Warney doll. Um, mate, I've still got a dozen of them. They're fantastic. The batteries run a bit flat, but uh, not too bad. <laughs> now, SK, with... With yep. what you do with cricket, everyone knows that you're India, England, um, Australia do a lot of commentary work, but your other passion is is cards, Texas Hold'em, and, and you travel all over the world and, and play that. You're still involved there? Yeah, still doing I've got a few that I enjoy my poker around the world. I've just launched my own emojis, which has been pretty cool. And when your teenagers like them and think you're pretty cool as well, that's uh, <laughs> in their eyes, you know you're on the right track. So, yeah, to have the emojis out there, which you can download free on either App Store and... Um, yeah, so I'm doing that, doing my poker, a bit of cricket commentary, still father of teenagers, a few little businesses here and there, and based in London, it's um, pretty chock-a-block. That's uh, huge, chock-a-block. Well, it's good to have you home for Christmas. It's good listening to you on Channel 9. Um, sorry for disrupting your dinner party tonight, uh, Christmas <laughs> no, Eve. Right, I'll let get you back, back get back to it, Shane. Thanks very much for your time.
Cheers, guys. Thank you. That was Shane Warne joining us on Stumps, a player that we might see this summer, certainly bowling well enough to play for Australia as Chad Sayers, and he spoke to the media at a press conference ahead of the Boxing Day test. Well, Chatty, um, Christmas in Melbourne, probably the first time for you. It will be a different experience to spend it with a few of your teammates. Yeah, it will be a little bit different, uh, being away from the family, but how exciting to be in Melbourne on Boxing Day. Um, it'll be my first Boxing Day at the cricket, so looking forward to it. Uh, not much you, more you can do. I think everyone in SA wants you get it, to get a crack, and I suppose you've just got to hope as well that you might be given a chance, but you can't really control it. Yeah, that's right. Um, obviously, the boys have been, been playing well, and the bowlers have been getting the job done, so uh, I'll just have to keep training well when I get the chance and um, as you said not much cricket to be played so I just wait in the wings and I'll be ready when I get the chance. What's the feeling like knowing like having been called up and then missing out at the last moment having been caught up again how do you deal with that? It's, a little, it's been a little bit of a roller coaster, I guess uh, especially in Brisbane when I only found out the morning of the game so um, yeah emotions run high and then, then it was a little bit of a letdown but um, again the boys played well and it was a great win over Pakistan in the first test. So are you expecting to play? I'll be doing everything in, in my favour to play, um, but as I said, uh, when the side's winning, it's uh, pretty hard to change the side. Is it um, hard as well, Chatty, not to be able to be playing competitive games with no big bash contract, which is ridiculous, but is, is that hard for you to deal with as well? Yeah, I guess it is, because you can't really go back and prove yourself anymore, so um, I'll just keep trying to improve myself with David Saker in, in the nets. Um, had a good, few good sessions with him over in Brisbane, so um, I just got to keep keep performing in the nets, I guess, at training and uh, do everything in my favour to be ready if I do get the nod. What do you think your chances are of playing? Do you sort of look at that or do you try and push it out of your head and just go in and do your thing in training? And I guess the last last two tests um, I've thought about it a bit too much um, and it, yeah, when you get told you're not in, it's a bit of a letdown, so I'm trying to just, just let it all go. Um, enjoy Christmas, it'll be, it'll be great with the team. Um, they're one big family, so that'll be great and yeah, just let the con- take the control out of my hands and back in theirs. That was Chad Sayers. On the other side of the coin, Grant Flower, former Zimbabwean opening batsman, spoke to the media in his current role within the Pakistan team, working with Mickey Arthur as they gear up to try to get the series back at 1-1. Um, I think it's that, and he also got hit on the thigh by Mitchell Stock, so he's quite a bit of bruising on his thigh, so he's feeling a bit stiff, but he's all right. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure if that directly had any effect. Um, I think, yeah, there was just a bit of banter going on, just the usual. I don't think there was anything over the top. And, uh, yeah, there were a couple of strong words exchanged, but that's part of the game. Uh, it looks good. It looks hard. It's, it's going to have good carry, I think. Uh, it's still got quite a bit of grass, and the groundsman said he's going to cut it a uh, bit every day. Um, so I'm sure it'll change in appearance quite a bit, but, yeah, it looks like it's going to be a, a good deck and with good carry. Uh, yes, sir? Yeah, it, it seems all right. He bowled really well today. I think it was coming out well. Um, so from what the physios told me, he's going well. Well, the red ball will stay harder, so it might suit both attacks. Um, so there'll be more bounce for, lo- for longer periods. Um, but, but everyone's used to the red ball, so uh, the guys will get back into it pretty quickly. Um, he, he doesn't seem worried, but he's, he's always quite mentally strong and, and relaxed. Um, no, he's got a lot of experience. Yeah, and he is going through a bit of a trot, but... Um, uh, he's been through these periods before and he's a class player and he's got the mental strength and resilience to come back and I'm sure good innings is just around the corner. He did look a lot better. Um, yeah, obviously the shot he got out to, uh, that maybe at that stage wasn't the best, 
But having said that, he, he does score quite a few runs with a reverse sweep as well. So, you know, you've got to find a balance regarding how you go about things. Um, but he's getting into better positions. And today, I think he had his best net practice for ages. And he, he looked brilliant. Yeah, I think as a coach, you know, if, if you applaud guys when they play certain shots, then you've got to be careful how you go about it when they, when they get out playing the same shot. That was Grant Flower. This is Stumps. More to come. Stumps. Yes, welcome back to Stumps. Darren Parkin here with Merv Hughes. A lot to talk about uh, as we build up towards uh, the Boxing Day test. Uh, this is where we have our odds updates for sports bets racing form. And make sure you check that out uh, with animated speed maps and opportunities for you to get uh, expert tips, but also uh, analyse your own form as well if you want to back yourself in. We don't have Big Bash for a couple of days, uh, Merv, but... From what you've seen so far in terms of the, the tournament, obviously a side that you're, uh, you've been involved with in the past in the Melbourne Renegades, looking pretty sharp, and they've actually moved into equal favourites for, uh, for the competition with Sportsbet at 450 with the Perth Scorchers. It's, it's amazing what one game mm. does, isn't it? Um, strikers were right up there. They haven't won a game after two. Um, Sixers beat Thunder. Uh, heavy defeat for Thunder, and then uh, bounce back. Thunder have played two games, haven't won. And I think uh, with the two spinners, Holgan and Orion, um, Renegades playing uh, games at mm. Etihad Stadium, that's going to be a huge boost. But the one for me is, and and the question on everyone's lips, while they've got a deep batting line-up, they, re- they rely pretty heavily on Finch. And when the when he goes um, for it'd be one day or 2020s, mm-hmm. um, that, that leaves a big hole. But they haven't got that, that schedule they used to, so we won't miss that many games. But um, mate, they, they're looking really good. Um, you know, they've still got Pattinson and, and Siddle to come into that team. Mm. Um, Tremaine did very well the yeah. other night, bowled very well. Bravo just keeps on keeping on, doesn't he? He's been absolutely fantastic in this form of the game, in all form of the games, in fact. He's, yeah, Cooper taking a wicket first ball. Cooper, yeah. um, I don't think anyone would have no. seen him opening the bowling the other night. Um, Sixers, conversely, had a great win against the Thunder and then went down against um, the Hurricanes. H- Hurricanes. Yeah. So it's interesting to me that sides are still winning the toss and sending the opposition in because they don't know what a good score is. Yeah. If the other team gets 190-200, gee, it's hard to chase down. It is. The Thunder and the Strikers, they're zipping two and they're both at 26 bucks. the rank outsiders. But Perth and Melbourne, 450. The Stars, five. Brisbane, six. Hobart, 750. The Six is nine. Of course, the Melbourne Stars, the only team yet to have played in this competition. They'll play their first game on Boxing Day in Tasmania against the Hobart Hurricanes. Uh, that will be really interesting. And the Stars are a dollar sixty-five. Hobart two twenty-five well, that, in that game. Yeah, sorry to jump in on you there, Dash, but that that'll change a bit too when yeah. Shane Watson comes in for the Thunder. Um, they, if they ever got Kawaja, yeah, yeah they, which they, they probably get won't. Kawaja yeah. back. He'll he may play twenty twenties for Australia. But ha- having said that. They look a different team without Hussey and Watson. Oh, yeah. They've still got and even Watson. Callis as well. Yeah, Callis too, but they've got Watson on the sideline. And reportedly, if he does play, he probably won't bowl. Yeah. Um, but his batting is, is still um, a real strength for, for Thunder and and his experience. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a great player and good to have around. Um, with that, mm-hmm. oh, because we... We haven't mm-hmm. got Christian or anyone. We, we're going to throw to you. Um, have we got odds for the the test match? Yeah, so, we do. Boxing Day test match, and now the the series. Australia a dollar forty seven. Pakistan a six dollars, and the draw is four dollars fifty for that one. And just looking at uh, the futures in terms of the test series uh, for that one, Australia are a dollar one. Pakistan twenty six dollars. 
Well, the way that Pakistan played in Brisbane, they showed they showed they're not out of it. Um, yes, they had a poor first innings and a lot was expected of them under light in that first innings. They got rolled for 142 after Australia had batted pretty well. And the thing for me was Pakistan got bowled out the second night under lights and the first night under lights, Australia didn't lose a wicket. So yeah. that, that under lights, that last session, is having, isn't having the impact that people thought it was. And then fourth night... Um, Pakistan got sorry, back into the game. Yeah, yeah. back in the third night. Sorry, where, where Australia declared yeah. uh, they batted. They were two for I think two for six or three for seven overnight. Yeah. Comfortable, batted all the next day and, and took it into the, the fifth day. So, listen, Pakistan have got some depth. And the thing about the Melbourne wicket, it gets better to bat on. So yeah. if if you bat first on it or if you bat second, it doesn't really matter. If you're chasing runs at the end, there's no real concerns. And the Victorian players have, have spoken of that, and Cameron White spoken of that. Um, when they win the toss, Victoria, they're not afraid to, to bowl first because the wicket doesn't wear mm-hmm. uh, because it's a drop-in wicket. Um, it doesn't wear like the, the normal, what was it, Mary River Creek turf. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. So it, it, it just stays and actually gets better. So there, there's going to be no real problems. And with the trouble that Australia had bowling Pakistan out in the second innings, I'll tell you what, I reckon Australia came out of the Brisbane test worse for wear physically-wise. Yeah. Uh, they did more work because... Um, they bowled uh, you know, a full day, close to a day and a half on that in that last innings. And if Australia bowl first, um, it, it could be interesting. And just finally, if you really fancy Australia, they're $1.65 to win 3-0. And looking at the India series as well, we've got the markets up for that. I know we've been looking for that for a while. India having just beaten England 4-0. India are $1.20. Australia $8 drawn series 7 with a best of four tests. So expectations are, even from Australians, that they'll get belted in that series. Well, at $8, I don't think that's a belting. I'm, I'm just think there's yeah. a bit of uncertainty. It's a, it's a, it's a different team. It's a younger team. Um, we, we're not sure how they're going to travel. Um, in the past, we haven't travelled too well to the subcontinent. Um, but ha- having said that, um, you know, Hanscom is a good player of spin. Sean Marsh showed against uh, Sri Lanka when he got in. He, he got that 100. Um, Kawajo, I think, is the best player of spin that we've got, and he didn't perform against Sri Lanka. So I think it's going to be interesting the more settled the Australian team. It still comes back to the bowling. It does. It does indeed. We'll uh, wrap things up for the hour. Plenty more to come as part of Stumps. And we'll uh, continue with our chats around the Big Bash as well. All of that are next as we jump inside a couple of the winning camps. Stumps. Yes, welcome to Stumps. Lovely to have your company. Darren Parkin here with Merv Hughes. 53 tests, 212 wickets for Australia. A heck of a lot going on in the world of cricket. There's international fixtures. England have obviously just been fixed up 4-0 by India. That's relevant because Australia has to go to India very shortly in the, the new March. year. And that's uh, in March or in the next couple of months. months so, away. Three and a yeah, half months away. They'd, they'd, want to, uh, they'd probably want to develop something that's in the next few months. That's not even close. Still, three, it's quarter of a year. It's nearly summer still, isn't it? I 
don't get my quarterly electricity True. bill there, so it's a long, long time. <laughs> That's a valid point. Football <laughs> no, no. season might not have started yet. Although no. it was fair, but no, March, will, March it is, yeah, I think. So, so. a couple mm. of tests against Pakistan, mm-hmm. uh, 2020s against Sri Lanka. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, there's a bit One day happening. is against Pakistan yeah, as well. one day so. is against yeah. Pakistan. So there's a bit happening before we get over to, to India, but always a, a very tough tour. Yeah, it always is. Always a tough and, tour. And uh, it's proving to be the case. India have got a home series against Bangladesh before. They're actually playing 12 home tests in a summer, India, which is extraordinary. Can you imagine the Australian summer having 12 tests in it? It's uh, quite a large I'm, volume. I'm, I'm tipping that their population can handle it. I think it can, yeah. Yes. They, they've played it a lot of it. They, they've played it a lot of new venues. They can probably yes. fill 150,000 at most of their test venues. Yes. But Big Bash has been a bit of a focus for us. The Brisbane Heat, after a disappointing season last season, they did finish fairly well. And they defeated the Adelaide Strikers in their opening game of this season. Uh, Mitchell Swepson was a, a young spinner who showed a lot of promise late last season when they did start to put a couple of results together. Bowled very well this week as they opened their account in a high-scoring game, so it would have been a nervous one for bowlers. But, Mitch, thanks for your time. Yeah, no worries, fellas. Thanks for having me. So what was that like in the, the run chase? Because, I mean, Adelaide were going ballistic. I think they were none for 133 and, and seemingly cruising to the target. But uh, you guys, uh, particularly the spinners, were able to uh, to put the brakes on them. Yeah, it was, um, it was a period there where I, I thought they were going to do it easy. And I, I guess it just goes to show how, how quickly the T20 game can, you know, can swing on a nice edge and, um, luckily, uh, so I think there was a maiden from Semi Badri that sort of just was, I thought, the turning point in the game, and um, yeah, sort of brought their run rate back up to a reasonable uh, target for us, and then we were able to grab a couple of wickets and go off the back of that. So yeah, it was pretty lucky in the end. Well, Adelaide Strikers in Adelaide, the first game, it probably doesn't get much harder than that. Um, they, they've been very successful there. The the crowd, they always get a great crowd there. How much impact did the crowd have on on you and and the Brisbane Heat? Yeah, it was uh, it was an awesome experience for myself. Uh, biggest crowd I've ever played in front of. So, um, I mean, the fans there are awesome. They love the cricket there, and uh, it, it does it does build a bit of pressure, uh, especially from the away team's perspective. Um, they're sort of keen to get into you if you, you know, drop a couch or misfield or whatever. But, um, look, I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. I thought it was great to have that many people enjoying enjoying the game that we were playing. So it was um, it was good. Well, a young man on the move. Three games in the Big Bash. Five wickets at 15. One for 23 off... off oh, sorry, one for 26 off your three overs. So had a, had a pretty big impact on a game that was, as we said, batting orientated. Um, question with you... Geez, a Queensland side, and I know Hartley's been up in, um, uh, or been down for you in the, in the Thunder for the last couple of years, but hard to imagine any Queensland team without Hopes or Hartley. Um, how does that, yeah. <laughs> as a young bloke growing up, geez, they would have been there since I reckon you were at kindergarten, wouldn't they? Yeah, absolutely. They've, um, yeah, sports of the Queensland cricket set up, and um, it's good having uh, having Hopes around. He's, he's still, still hanging around. Um, uh, both the Heat and Bulls set up so, uh, as an assistant coach there. So he, he's, we haven't gotten rid of him yet, but um, uh, obviously, obviously Hearts, he's, um, he's still going with the Shield stuff and uh, he's been really good filling in for, for Uzi as captain uh, while he's doing his Australian duties. And both of them, 
you know, so much knowledge of the game, and it's great to have both of those blokes still around the setup. There's obviously something about leg spinners that, that that stands out in terms of the appeal. If they can find a good spinner selectors, they'd, they'd love to have a leg spinner. You took seven wickets in the last couple of Shield games. You've had a solid start, certainly in that sense, with 41 wickets at, at 32 across your career so far, which is uh, certainly more than acceptable. Uh, do you sort of feel that uh, you're bowling well, and that there's another level not too far away from you that can see you climb up? Oh yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm pretty happy with how I've started um, in Shield cricket so far. And um, look, I think there's always room for improvement. I, I, you know, it's only early on in in my Shield career so far, so um, always room for improvement. And I think that um, you know my focus is just just to keep bowling well for for Queensland. And if we can get success as a state and get through the, the Shield finals, um, then you know who knows what can happen. But yeah, that's that's sort of my focus. Is to keep doing well for my state. Well, as we said, 41 wickets in 14 games, so um, a, a young man making his way. How how much of a surprise to you was uh, Matt Ranshaw's um, selection to the Australian side and seeing a bloke so young, so early in his career get selected, does that give you hope? Oh, yeah, look, it's, uh, I think it's awesome. Matty got, got his chance. Um, you know, he's, he certainly proved himself um, in, in his short career already at Shield level and um, it is it is really good to see that you know performances no matter how young or old you are performances in Shield level will you know will will get you that next step up and um, get you the opportunities that that you know every player wants and um, you know I was really happy for Matty and it, luckily he's done really well so far and uh, that's credit to the work he's put in over the last couple of years and. Yeah, it's, it is good to know that they'll give opportunities for blokes who are, who are performing at that shield level. And as we look towards sort of the, the rest of the way through the, the campaign, uh, playing under Brendan McCullum, uh, we, we got an insight through the TV coverage of his very calm leadership. And, and Shane Warne joined us earlier in the program who spoke about how important that calm leadership is in, in 2020. And he was sort of saying that on TV, that, look, we just need to dig a couple out. We haven't, we haven't lost this game yet. And, and so it proved to be. But what's it like playing under to Brendan McCullum? And is it true that the general consensus around the world is that he's the, the world's nicest human being? Is that, uh, is that likely? <laughs> Yeah, I know. It seems impossible to be that good at cricket and be as good as he is and still be the best bloke in the world. <laughs> he's, he's, he's honestly, uh, he's, the short time that he's been with us, he's um, made such a big impact. And I think you've hit the nail on the head by saying he's just such a calm, cool, cool head on the field. And that's exactly what you need in the 2020 game, being such a fast-paced and um, in front of big crowds. You know, blokes can sort of lose their head a bit and let the pressure get to them. But to have someone like that standing next to you at the top of your mark and just, just calming you down. It's, um, it's, it's certainly what, what you need when you're out there. And Sydney Thunder next for, for you guys, just as we let you go. So uh, obviously they've struggled at the start of this campaign and, and lost a bit of batting depth. But, but being the reigning champs, obviously got to be on your toes. Yeah, look, there's, there's no, uh, there's no easy games in the big bash. I don't think all it takes is you know one, one batter or one bowler to come off and have their day. So um, that'll, that'll be a tough game and. Uh, you know, it's good that we've started with a win, but, um, you know, we'll be focusing on this game and trying to get two from two, and hopefully that can pick up some, some momentum through the middle stage of this comp, and uh, who knows, we could uh, could make a final this year. Well, Mitch, good luck for that. Uh, well done on what you're doing thus far. You've made a major impact since coming into the side at the end of the last Big Bash campaign, and we, uh, we wish you well going forward. Okay, thanks, boy. Thanks so much for having me. We'll get to a break on stumps for Kanga Crickets. 
listening to Stumps. Welcome back to Stumps. Merv Hughes is with me, Darren Parkin, and Merv, reflecting on the uh, the Big Bash, I know before yes. we uh, welcome Simon Helmet, uh, you played limited overs cricket, but uh, how do you think you would have gone to the Big Bash? Something you would have enjoyed? Oh, mate, all would have been great for highlights. <laughs> <laughs> great for crowd interaction. Mate, um, just just the, the way the batsmen adapt now, like fine leg up and they play that... Um, little ramps. Yeah, little and, ramp yeah. shots and you've got the reverse ramps happening, balls... Like, it's interesting now, blokes like George Bailey, Steve Smith, uh, mm-hmm. when he plays, and, and a lot of the younger blokes come onto the scene, you don't know too much about them, but you can bowl six balls in the same place, and they will hit you to six different parts of the, yeah. the round. And the thing about it is that they practice it. It's not as though, I reckon kids watch it on TV and think, I can do that. Well, no, you can't. You've got to practice, and that's what these guys do, practice at their, their strengths. Um, they try and, I suppose, limit their weaknesses, but they, they certainly do practice at their strengths. They have their get-out shot. Most bowlers know what a batsman's get-out shot is. So as a bowler, if you're thinking, right, um, his get-out shot's going to be this, I'm going to tie him up, and then he starts playing another shot and hit you for boundaries, you, you've got nowhere to go. So very, very hard game for, for batsmen. And listen, if you're... If you're a thinking, innovative batsman, you can go a long way in the game. You can, and Simon Helmet's an innovative coach, doing is, wonderful things down there at the Hobart Hurricanes with Damien Wright, of course, number former uh, former star himself. Uh, they've started their campaign beautifully with a 60-run win over the Sydney Sixers and reversed what was a horrible result at the same venue for them last season. Simon, thanks for your time. Okay, Merry Christmas, Merv. Mate, you're underselling yourself. Merv, you would have been a superstar in T20. I reckon you're a good class. You was a genuine all-rounder. <laughs> You've intimidated the bowl, uh, the batters at the start, just like Big Tatey did yesterday. Mate, he, he did well. Tatey just goes from strength to strength, doesn't he? We see Mitch Johnson doing well for the Scorchers and, and Sean Tate doing well for your guys. And he's been around the traps a little bit. Um, how important for your setup was was it for you to get him? Oh, Merv, you still need specialists in T20. We often talk about multi-skilled players and all-rounders, but you still need your specialists. You need your specialist quicks, your, your specialist opening batters, obviously keepers. And, you know, Tatey with Stewie Broad, we hope he's going to be really potent and give us something different to what we had last mm-hmm. season. I thought Hamish Kingston, Merv, was probably our most exceptional bowler, though. His off-pace bowling and uh, his ability to bowl at the back end and through the middle was very good. So, mate, uh, yeah, we're happy with our bowling unit so far and uh, to knock off the sixes uh, where they really gave us a hiding uh, the season before, we're really pleased. Well, uh, after the sixes went against the Thunder 2, playing up there, I reckon you would have thought you had your hands full, but um, we got word from Howie, Channel 10 commentator, that you're talking up a young bloke, um, short, his first game. Listen, you've lost Benny Dunk, and you're talking about the importance of specialist players. You've lost him, and, and all of a sudden, this, this young bloke comes on and, and takes a 2020 by storm. Yeah, it was fantastic. Uh, I've seen Young Short a few years ago when he played up in Darwin. Uh, we knew that he was a, a quality, you know, hard-hitting left-handed top-order batsman. Bowls are uh, the left-arm Chinaman, and, uh, and he's exceptional the field, although he did miss one yesterday. But, uh, look, when we, when we traded Dunk... Um, I suppose the risk was that, you know, Dunk's been a proven performer over time, but him and Payne just didn't quite click over the last season or two, really. So we thought, look, we'll, we'll, we'll have a crack at Darcy Short. He can help us out with some overs. More importantly, you know, be able to be explosive at the top. But also allowed us, as I said, Hamish Kingston to come into our squad. And by doing that, it, it certainly hopefully made us a little bit more all-rounded uh, as a squad and uh, hopefully can compete against all oppositions at all venues. Well, that's the key, isn't it? You've got to, got to uh, compete in all venues. And Hobart, um, traditionally, it's, it's pretty hard to beat you guys down there. But you go up to Sydney, um, 
and very, very hard to beat the Sixers there. So that's a, a huge win for you guys. Now, obviously, you relocate to, to Hobart. How is sunny Hobart this time of year? Exactly that, Merv. It's beautiful and sunny. The family have come down. We're spending uh, Christmas Day at Big Bull Baker's, the ex-Melbourne footballer's uh, restaurant tomorrow for lunch. We look forward to that. And then we bring the Stars down on Boxing Day, Merv. That's going to be a cracking match for us. Obviously, the Stars have... Probably the Scorchers have been two of the best teams in, in BBL history, although they actually haven't you know, got the prize of winning the championship just yet. But look, it's going to be a big game against them. It's their first game, uh, but hopefully we can have a nice... Uh, a nice uh, a crowd that will be supporting us as much as the uh, Sixers were supporting uh, their side last night and giving our, our new recruit, uh, Stuart Broad, <laughs> over half time. <laughs> well, I've got two for you before I hand back to Dash, but um, of Stuart Broad, he has the opportunity, as you said, like Murley, like KP and like Freddie, um, yes. gee, they were most hated by Australians. When they come <laughs> over here and, and you just see that they're, they're yeah. great cricketers, like yeah. Freddie's everyone's favourite. And Absolutely. KP, people sort of warmed to him. And like you said, Murley in, in front of that crowd that Eddie had was good. Uh, probably the last one from me. How's your 10-pin bowling going, mate? 10-pin <laughs> bowling is going very well, Merv. Have, you, have you recovered from the uh, Sunshine Coast yet, mate? The Sunshine Coast, I was up there, Merv. We had a camp actually against the Heat uh, two games. And we drove past that place where there's still a statue out the front of that one. Were you holding a 10-pin? Yes. I, I think you had a 212 versus my 202. Very well played. But, mate... Um, haven't been bowling since, mate. You, you shattered me. <laughs> <laughs> broke, broke your spirit, like they say with racehorses when they uh, when they lock exactly. horns. But uh, before we let you go, as you mentioned, the stars on on Boxing Day, uh, you've had a lot of great battles with them over the journey. Yeah. Obviously, historically, the Hurricanes beat them in that semi final when they were undefeated at the MCG. So you got guys like Sangakara who played a, a reasonable shot and was probably unlucky to go out. Who, so still a bit of upside with these guys making a few more runs, and you'd be keen to, uh, I guess, put a dent in their campaign because they're always pretty highly fancied. The stars. Oh, absolutely. Look, I've been on the other side of travelling on Christmas Day or even the day before and having to play on Boxing Day over in Perth, and it's pretty tough going. So uh, hopefully it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable for the stars when they get over here. I think probably one of the only games we've beaten the stars was actually in that uh, semi-final. Yeah. So it's important for us to, to try and get two on the trot. Now, already the season's starting to take shape with the Thunder and the Strikers missing out in their first two games. Uh, if we can get a couple ahead, it really makes it a little bit easier for the second part of the season. We know what the Stars have made the finals every single year. Uh, Stephen Fleming's a great coach with Dave Huss there. And I tell you what, some of these players who are playing this big bash, it, it never never ceased to amaze me, you know, how they keep reeling it out day in, day out. Hodgie was extraordinary last night. And I'm sure Dave Hussey will be just as keen to get out there. I'm sure he will. Uh, Simon, thank you very much. Good luck for the remainder of the campaign starting off on Boxing Day. Gents, look forward to uh, speaking to you again soon. Have a Merry Christmas. Simon Helmet there. Merry Christmas to you as well. Regular host of this program in the past as well, filling in at times when uh, when Merv's been away on on various commitments. But Merv, Boxing Day test, obviously the focus looking at that. Hilton Cartwright, I guess your thoughts on that selection. Not, not, I guess people don't necessarily know a lot about him. I think he was born in Zimbabwe. Uh, Obviously was picked in the one-day squad against Pakistan. Didn't get a game against uh, South Africa. Who did they play in the one-days? New Zealand. New Zealand. That they played in the New one Zealand. day. Oh, yeah, yep. and um, got picked for that series. Didn't get a game in the uh, in the eleven. But uh, your thoughts on bringing him in and whether they should have gone with an all rounder and whether maybe it should have been James Faulkner or uh, or Mitch Marsh yeah, or I'd... even Marcus Stoinis. Oh, Marcus Stoinis, I-, I reckon, can feel a little bit uh, unlucky. Mitch Marsh because they've invested so much time in him and they've said because of the the workload to the bowlers, it was important to get a a, a bowler into that top twelve. So in that. 
top six. So I, th- I think he'll play. So Maddinson's going to be unlucky, um, and they'll, they want that extra bowling. Now, interesting um, enough, Cartwright's averaging 40 with the bat, so he's doing better than Stoinis. He's doing better yeah. than Mitch Marsh. He's doing better than Faulkner. Yeah. Um, he's, he's not the bowler, the quality of the bowler, um, but he does offer those medium paces. Yeah, and, I, and he I is think, the fifth bowler, I guess. Yeah, yeah. so with, with that... Um, when, when I sort of looked up his stats, you, you sort of sit there and think, well, well fair enough. Um, it, it's not a bad selection. And what they're doing is because the Australians had a heavy workload mm. in in Brisbane, if we bowl first yeah. and the Pakistanis get away a bit, four bowlers is going to be shy. So we need a bowling option. And, yes, we've got Warner, we've got Smith, and Maddinson can offer a few overs, but you wouldn't really call them bowling options. They're more stopgap stop bowlers. Um, and if you're, you're really in trouble, you'll bowl him. But with Cartwright, um, he's, he averages about 40. Um, he takes the odd wicket, um, but he, he can play a role where he just runs in and, and ties up an end. And um, you give a Hazelwood Stark a little bit of extra time rest rather than just bowling him all the time. And I, I think uh, traditionally the MCG wicket um, with Heat um, is going to be hard. So you can think you can see Lyon bowling a lot of overs and uh, the three pacemen um, being looked after pretty well. So when you were a selector, you'd look at things like that, whether we bowled last in the previous test match, how long in between, how hot it was, how many overs, to determine whether you needed extra options or ways you were going to structure your team? Yeah, work workload was important, mm. and it was off the back of not so much one test match. So if you play mm. one test match... Um, you know, after having a couple of months off, it's, it's not too much of a break. Mm. But the workload they had against South Africa too mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. heavy. Um, Stark had uh, Stark and Hayes would both had the South African tour off, freshen up. But they have done a lot of work. Yeah. And what they did in Brisbane um, was was pretty tough going. Um, so coming into Melbourne, I think we'll find that there there will be a change. Um, you know, as I said, like I felt for for Callum Ferguson. Ferguson, when he came in and got dropped, I'm, I'm going to feel for Maddinson too. Um, a lot of people saying he shouldn't have, shouldn't have been picked, but I think they've been talking about him for, for three or four years now, and it's not off his recent form. It's off a, a long-term um, yeah. form. So where uh, Renshaw and Hanscom have got in, uh, that's been off what they've done in the immediate past. So in the last six to, to 12 to 18 months, um, what Maddinson's done has been off the back of what he's done for, for three or four years. So, mate, I can understand that. He's a talented young man, um, but I, I think that uh, they will go for, for Renshaw. They wouldn't have called him into the no. squad if they weren't seriously thinking about using him. Before we wrap up the Boxing Day test discussion, how do you read the game? Because most people would look at it and say Australia dominated the Brisbane test until halfway through the fourth day. Pakistan then started to dig in with a bat and nearly ran the runs down and it would have been probably their most memorable win in test cricket, certainly the highest score ever chased down. Do you look at it and think that Australia controlled most of the match and they looked the better side or do you look at the end of the match and go Pakistan are right back in it? Well I looked at it and it was great to see Pakistan give some fight mm. um, for number one. I, I must admit um, on the, the third night, I thought they would have been four or five down. Yeah. Um, but to get through that two for, I think they were 60 or 70. Two for 70, yeah. Um, they were in pretty good position. And then to see the way they batted the next day was excellent. And even to push it into a yeah. fifth day. And um, nearly win. Yeah. Like, well, nearly win, mate. They're a long way off it, aren't they? Yeah, um, they are. 40 runs. So, so uh, I think Howie asked me, when do you start getting nervous? And I said, mate, when they're inside the last 10 with yeah. two wickets in hand. Because Australia, in a situation you like that... You get one, you get two. Australia yeah. are always... One wicket away from being in a dominant position, yeah. And Pakistan were always 
half an hour away, 40 minutes away from being in a, in a good position. Yeah. So, um, you know, they go back to Mitch Stark and he, he just produces a good he, goods. He produced that ball that, that got the wicket, uh, got the breakthrough, and then your number 11 um, virtually can't hold a bat. So yeah. you're, you're always going to be in trouble. Uh, but to get back to this Boxing Day test match um, and, and the question that you yeah. asked, yeah, you cover the whole lot. You look at what's coming up. Um, they might be looking for an option to, to take the India too. Um, I'll tell you what, though, if Australia win this game, as much as they're going to hate it, I reckon Hazelwood and, and Stark will both be rested for the Sydney Test match if, if they win this. Yeah. Uh, Pakistan were good, um, but they faltered under pressure yeah. and they delivered when the game was gone. Yeah, so yeah good I, point. What I, what I want to see is Pakistan deliver when the heat's still on and yeah. under pressure. So the first innings of this test is going to be important. Um, and also, there's been talk of the follow-on. Should Australia enforce the follow-on? Now, if you don't enforce the follow-on, that's fine. But my, my big one is the declaration was a problem to me because for a declaration, um, I reckon the Australian camp and Steve Smith were more focused on getting the Pakistanis batting on the third night because they had the success on the second night. My rule of thumb with a declaration is you don't allow enough time for the opposition batsmen to make the runs. So if you're going to declare, you bat them out of the game. Mm-hmm. So for, for, for that... Um, to declare with two days to go, you've got to be 700 in front. Yep, agreed. And, and just really put the foot on the throat. But I think um, everyone was really keen to get the Pakistanis back under lights. Mm-hmm. And then the last session of the fourth night, the Australians were really keen mm-hmm. to, to put the foot on the throat of the Pakistanis win then, yeah. and win it then. And they yeah. overattacked. Yeah. So when people said they were a little bit defensive on the last day, I reckon conversely, they were almost over-attacking. And to me, there's nothing wrong with that if yeah. it works. But, but when it doesn't work, you bleed runs, um, yeah. Yeah, you're gonna, you, you do bleed runs. And, and that's what Smith did the last mm. day. He handled it beautifully. And I'd say in conjunction with, with um, Darren Lehman um, and, and Davey Warner, they would have just said, we've got to stop these blokes from hitting boundaries. Yep. And, and that's what they did. They made, if you're going to get these runs, you're going to have to do in one, ones and twos. Have you got the patience to do that? And for a long time they did. But... There comes a time where a batting team looks up at the scoreboard, eight down, and they'll be thinking, I'll oh, just play with freedom, play with freedom. We're nowhere near it. There's and all of a, a sudden, you're like, oh, we can win. Yeah. We can win this. Yeah. And all of a sudden, their running between the wickets became hesitant yeah. and, and not sure, and they started to, to play um, you know, differently. Um, so you, you don't know. Everyone's talking about the effect it has on the fielding team. It's got to have a huge effect on the batting team. So I'd like to see uh, Pakistan do it when the heat's on. We'll get to a break. Plenty more to come on Stumps. Knocks him over with pace, real pace. And that is huge. That's the biggest one tonight. On the roof. Full pitch and bang. Bang, bang, bang. It's gone. Welcome to Stumps. Yes, welcome to Stumps on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. Merv and I were lucky earlier on today to catch up, Merv. Before you throw to him, yeah. what you've got to say is apologise to Shane Warne for disrupting his family dinner yes, tonight. Absolutely. You're a shocking bloke, and he's going to hold <laughs> you accountable for this. Oh, well, you don't want to get in, you don't want to get in the way of family Christmases. You certainly don't. Yeah. And so really I wonder if he'd play backyard cricket. Uh, we discussed well, with you earlier, saying that uh, you wouldn't. So I wonder if he'd get out there and roll no, the arm over with that. Uh, the time. Kids, He's so. got a family dinner. He was under yeah. the bump, but he did give us time. He did give us time. He gave us plenty of time and some plenty of insights as well. So here was our chat earlier with the legend that is Shane Warne. 
listening to Stumps. Welcome back to Stumps. Darren Parkin here with Merv Hughes. We speak about his 212 test wickets. We now have on the program... In the insignificance. Yeah, we now have on the program a total of 920 test wickets, <laughs> if you add our, uh, our next guest. And, of course, needs no introduction. Shane Warren, uh, 15 years at the, uh, at the helm, is uh, one of the greatest of all time. And nice to be speaking to you on the program. G'day, boys. How are we? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Shane. Now... I know you got your family over for dinner, and I do apologise for ringing you this time, but how's the build-up to Christmas been, Shane? Yeah, it's been okay, actually. It's been uh, pretty good. It's been busy with uh, commentating for all uh, the test matches going around. So, lastminute.com shopping this morning. I was up at 5.30am to get to Chadsford by 6. <laughs> and um, to get there, get the last bit of shopping, and um, it was all done pretty well. I'm not sure. I think I've got everyone in the wrong bags and wrapped it all the wrong way, so... <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll just see what happens. There wasn't many people there. Now, plenty, plenty of cricket on, and enjoying the commentary on, on Channel Nine and what you do there. Do you do you watch much of the Big Bash? Uh, I do watch a little bit of the Big Bash. Um, I reckon it's probably the best twenty twenty competition as far as skill wise goes in the world. Um, I think the IPL it's pretty hard to um, equal the passion of the Indians and their support they have. But I think that the, the quality of cricket and the skill that's on display in the uh, Big Bash is probably the best in the world. Mate, it's interesting too with the, the two internationals that each side can have. Uh, your good mate Peterson still playing for the Stars. They, they haven't opened their account because they haven't played yet. Um, have, you, have you got much to do with the Stars these days or do you steer clear? No, I haven't got a lot to do with the Stars. Only if required. If they call me up and want me to come in and do something, then I'll do that. Um, and otherwise, I'm just a supporter of them. So, yeah, I help out where I can and if needed, but otherwise, no, just a, an average fan, mate, and just watch from afar. We're seeing the internationals, speaking of KP, they're getting great value out of those guys. I mean, Ian Bell played his first game in the competition uh, yesterday and and made 61. Bravo's obviously been good with the uh, the Renegades. We, we talk about KP, but when these guys come here, they're coming here at essentially the peak of their powers. Even even Sangakara, at his age, is is still a, a major draw card. Yeah, it is. And I think, you know, to have that quality competition, you need the, the superstars from around the world. It's great to develop our own and uh, have the young players and young talent. But uh, you've got to be able to get those international stars, pulling power, international crowds, come if uh, you've got those international stars. So it's really important to have them. And I think, you know, over the years we've had a lot of those big stars and it's been able to give a lot of credibility to a domestic competition. And, you know, it is a domestic competition, but when you're getting the international stars, as I say, it suddenly becomes a bit more global, a bit more on the international stage and makes people sit up and watch a bit more because there's the international players playing. So, look, I think they've done a great job with it all. I reckon it's working really well. Well, a young man's game and the youth is coming through, but the the big recruit that the Renegades got this year is is Bradley Hogg. Um, yeah. mate, you're not that far. You're not that much older than him. Do you still sort of sit there and watch it and think oh, I can do this? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> My last year, big bash. When I dropped a couple of sodas, like I mean, absolutely sodas at cover and couldn't hang on to anything. <laughs> the bowling was absolutely fine and didn't want to bat. I batted myself at number eleven and didn't want to face the ball. I said. What the hell am I doing? It's time to stop here. The bowling was fine, but everything else, fielding, batting, I could see and go, oh, that's short and wide. Yeah, cut that. But I was just in the keeper's gloves at the time I was starting to, to cut the ball. So I tried to cut it. So I think it was worth I had to stop then and uh, 
as I said, just watch and enjoy now. So no, no thought of going to Cricket Australia and, and putting forward that uh, model they had for the one-day competition a few years ago where you could play 12, so you could go on, bowl your four overs and then go and put your feet up and do nothing? No, no thought of yeah. that? Well, if they came in with that, I think it was the Mercantile Mutual Cup, I think when you were starring for the competition. <laughs> I, I, I think um, if they brought that back in, I could wheel out and bowl my four overs, and then after that, it would be absolutely perfect because I could sit up there and uh, just chill in the stands. That would be <laughs> Did you Did you think when 2020 started, a lot like, I mean, like a lot of people, they thought when one-day cricket started that uh, that spinners would uh, would fall away in that format of the game? They thought the same thing in, in 2020, but they've been vitally important. And now a lot of people are saying that, that the sides with the best spinners are invariably going to win the competition. And, and you look at, say, the Melbourne Renegades and what they've been able to do with their options, but but spin bowling seems to be the uh, almost the, the, the prime weapon. Um. Look, I, I always thought spin bowling would be successful. I didn't think it would be as successful. I didn't think they would be. Um, and the other thing is, I think the best 2020 teams, or the teams that will win, will be the best led. The best captains from the 2020 teams will be those ones. Because I think the captaincy is so important in uh, 2020 cricket that, you know, they can you just about can win man of the match from your captaincy. And we saw that the other night. They give a calmness to people. They're ahead of the game. Um, they're two or three overs ahead. They know exactly what they're doing, strategies, plans. And because it's so frantic, if you have a calm captain, I think it makes a huge difference. And that's why I think Brendan McCullum and uh, Heat, I think, are going to be a, a side to beat this year. Well, Heat, yeah. Finchy, Finchy with the um, Renegade shows a little bit of calmness, but you don't know what's going to happen when, when he leaves. I suppose you've got Cameron White there that'll take over from there, and he's a, he's a pretty calm sort of a character too. Now, moving off the Big Bash, Shane, getting into the Test cricket, um, did yeah. you expect that from the Pakistanis in the, in the second innings in Brisbane? I think after the first innings, you thought they were going to fight back a fair bit, you know, because they were pretty ordinary in the first innings, but I didn't think they'd get anywhere near that. I thought they'd want to make 300 and played a lot better. But um, to see them go and get four ni- nearly 490 was pretty amazing. Mate, it's interesting you're doing a lot of work with, or well, you do a bit of work, again, when asked with our, our long, young leg spinners. Up at Brisbane, I, I saw you having a bit of a chat to Yasir Shah. Um, what do you say to those blokes? Do you say, try and put them off track so the Australians can have a comfortable win, or do you give them <laughs> useful information? No, no, no. no. I, I, I don't mind what country they're from. Um, as a, a leg spinning coach and loving cricket and love spin bowling, I think it's really important to, to spread that knowledge. So I try and help whoever it is, whether it be Dennis Canary from Pakistan, Yassi Shah, um, Steve Smith at times when he was bowling leg spin, uh, whoever it might be, even Nathan Lyon is talking general uh, tactics. So, yeah, I help anyone. Yassi Shah, I'm in just about daily contact with at the moment, but... Um, I was disappointed with the way he bowled. I thought he just went too defensive, and I didn't like their tactics they had either. So let's hope you'll see. I think you'll see a different yes here in Melbourne. Well, would it be right in saying that he may have pushed them through a little bit too quick? And as you say, defensive bowl, that's normally the fields that they set, but it's also the, the mind approach that possibly he doesn't want to get hit? Um, no, I, yeah, a little bit. But I also thought it was just defensive. Six people on the leg side and bowling at leg stump or outside leg stump for left-handers negated Yassi Shah's natural strength which is aggression and um so yeah i was a little bit surprised with that one um but i think you know i think he learned his lesson then i'm sure we'll see a better yassi shah 
in uh, Melbourne. Well, he bowled a lot of overs in that first innings, and for him not to take a wicket uh, would have been a real blow from Pakistan. Yeah. Now, we've got a couple of uh, young leg spinners. Well, we've got a lot of young leg spinners. Um, they'd always, I suppose they seem to be the same age where they're growing up watching a certain blonde-headed champion on TV. How much do you have to do with our young blokes? And probably from your, from what you've seen, who, who are the pick of the bunch? Yeah, look, we're, we're pretty lucky. We've got a, some decent spinners around. I think, you know, I think Agar's pretty good. I think John Holland's really good. Um, you know, young Zampa's good. So there's a few leggies, there's a few left armers, there's a few offies going around. Nathan Lyon, I still think, number one. Um, I like his Swepson as well. I think he could be really good. There's a lot going around, but I want to see them start taking wickets at first-class level over a period of time. And once they've done that, then we can start to see them hopefully develop and play all the different forms. It's pretty hard for young leg spinners to come in and just play 20-20 and then adjust the first class cricket. It's quite tough for the young spinners these days, but um, we're okay. We just need a few of them to put their hands. Now, you played in the 05 Ashes, where, where England obviously were superbly spearheaded by Andrew Flintoff as an all-rounder, and it's seemingly been pinpointed since then that, it, that Australia has uh, obviously tried to develop an all-rounder. Hilton Cartwright's the latest brought into the squad. Does Australia need to pick a, a fifth bowling option all-rounder at six, or are you from perhaps the Darren Berry school of thought, six batsmen, four bowlers, one keeper? I want my 11 best players. Yep. Um, and if the tops, I think it's handy. I want four bowlers and my keeper and then six batsmen. And I think why we were always lucky when Merv and I played that we had Steve Walker for that could bowl a bit Marta. of uh, yeah. steamers, whether it be Damian Martin, they could bowl off you. So Bevan at times too. So I think it's really important that one of those number six batsmen uh, can bowl a bit of part-time stuff because really you don't need that fifth bowler. Four bowlers should be bowling average 20 overs a day each. That's 80. And that only leaves you 10 overs to make up maximum. It could only be, it might be eight overs you have to make up a day. So if you've got a couple of guys can bowl three or four each at the right time and hopefully just be a partnership breaker, then it can all work. You don't this obsession with the bowlers is I'm not a not a fan of that. Now, the, I guess the, the last one from me before uh, just I'll check if Merv has a couple for you. We do our VB okay. hard-earned yep. moments uh, every week. Victoria Bitter celebrates the greatest moments in cricket history with ten limited edition cans this summer, and they reflect on Australia's great winning streaks. Obviously, twice where they won the sixteen consecutive Test matches. Uh, obviously, during your tenure at the, the helm as well. Can you give us, I guess, an insight from a player reflecting back on those times as to just how confident the group was. They talk about it with football teams, cricket teams, etc. Well, you just you feel it from any position within a game. I would imagine you could dig yourself out of trouble. You, you could find ways to win from the most impossible of positions. Uh, look, I, I, most of us weren't aware. I think Steve Waugh was a bit too obsessed with it all, and that was one of the reasons he made a bit of a blunder. Um, not enforcing on in India, and that's why it upset our run. But I think the players, we were just playing, we were in a zone, and we were just all doing really, really well, and we just kept winning from nowhere against all the different countries. So, yeah, it was a pretty amazing uh, run, and we had a very, very good team. So, yeah, we we could beat anyone, and to have that ability to um, beat everyone home and away was a pretty amazing record from the guys. Mate, I've got to tell you, VB, we're having a VB flashbacks here. I think the best thing VB have ever done was the Warnie doll. Um, I've still got a dozen of them They're fantastic The batteries run a bit flat But uh, not too bad <laughs> Now SK With with yep. what you do with cricket Everyone knows that you India, England um, Australia Do a lot of commentary work But your other passion is is cards Texas Hold'em And, and you travel all over the world And, and play that You're still involved there? Yeah still doing I've got a few that I enjoy my poker around the world I've just launched my own emojis Which has been pretty cool And when your teenagers like them And think you're pretty cool As well That's uh, in their eyes <laughs> 
you know you're on the right track. So, yeah, to have the emojis out there, which you can download free on either App Store or Merv. And, um, yeah, so I'm doing that, doing my poker, a bit of cricket commentary, still father of teenagers, a few little businesses here and there, and based in London, it's... Um, Chock-a-block. Uh, that's huge, chock-a-block. Well, it's good to have you home for Christmas. It's good listening to you on Channel 9. Um, sorry for disrupting your dinner party tonight, uh, Christmas <laughs> no, Eve. Worries, I'll let get you back, back get back to it, Shane. Thanks very much for your time. Cheers, guys. Thank you. That was Shane Warne joining us on Stumps, a player that we might see this summer, certainly bowling well enough to play for Australia, as Chad Sayers, and he spoke to the media at a press conference ahead of the Boxing Day test. Chatty, um, Christmas in Melbourne, probably the first time for you. It will be a different experience to spend it with a few of your teammates. Yeah, it will be a little bit different. I've uh, been away from the family, but how exciting to be in Melbourne on Boxing Day. Um, it'll be my first Boxing Day at the cricket, so looking forward to it. Uh, not much you, more you can do. I think everyone in SA wants you get it, to get a crack, and I suppose you've just got to hope as well that you might be given a chance, but you can't really control it. Yeah, that's right. Um, obviously, the boys have been, been playing well, and the bowlers have been getting the job done, so uh, I just have to keep training well when I get the chance and um, as you said not much cricket to be played so I just wait in the wings and I'll be ready when I get the chance. What's the feeling like knowing, like having been called up and then missing out the last moment, having been called up again, how do you deal with that? Yeah, it's, a little, it's been a little bit of a roller coaster, I guess, uh, especially in Brisbane when I only found out in the morning of the game so um, yeah, the emotions run high and then, then it was a little bit of a letdown but um, again the boys played well and it was a great win over Pakistan in the first test. So are you expecting to play? I'll be doing everything in, in my favour to play. Um, but as I said, uh, when the side's winning, it's uh, pretty hard to change the side. Is it um, hard as well, chatting not to be able to be playing competitive games with no big bash contract, which is ridiculous, but is, is that hard for you to deal with as well? Yeah, I guess it is, because you can't really go back and prove yourself anymore. So um, I'll just keep trying to improve myself with David Saker in, in the nets. Um, had a good, few good sessions with him over in Brisbane, so um, i just got to keep... Keep performing in the nets, I guess, at training and uh, do everything in my favour to be ready if I do get the nod. What do you think your chances are of playing? Do you sort of look at that or do you try and push it out of your head and just go in and do your thing and training? And I guess the last last two tests um, I thought about it a bit too much. Um, and, it, yeah, when you get told you're not in, it's a bit of a letdown. So I'm trying to just, just let it all go. Um, enjoy Christmas. It'll be, it'll be great with the team. Um, they're one big family, so that'll be great. And, yeah, just... Let the con- bit, take the control out of my hands and put it back in theirs. This is Stumps, more to come. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.